0: Hi Andrew, how are you? I'm good,
1: how are you Rory? Okay, spring over here, so it's nice.
2: Where are you exactly?
1: Uh, In the state of Massachusetts, by the water.
2: Okay, oh that's lovely, that's really nice. It's spring over here too, but that's pretty much the same as winter in the UK, and summer sometimes too.
1: Well, now with climate change, then there's, you know... We're blurring winter, spring, summer, and fall. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I sometimes wonder if um if that's always been the case. here. we 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 preempted it with that that funny island weather. But I'm really I'm really happy that you that you agreed to speak to me. I've only got one of your books because of the interest, the subject that I'm interested in. But yeah, I read this uh, Drums Along the Congo a few years ago. And I really loved it. And I loved it because of the, the no-holds-barred realistic inter- well, the retelling of your trials and tribulations on Expedition. And I thought, well, people would, would value this. They would learn something from it more than this idealistic, let's go out there and find something nobody's ever found before, spirit or an idea of exploration. But they would learn really what you have to go through. You know, on, on <laughs> a boots on the ground level to, to do that. So I thought I'd just ask you a couple of questions and let you talk away and um and then see what you've got to say. Sure. Awesome. Well, what I wanted to, to start with, of course, is what attracted you initially to the to the legend of and Bembe.
1: What you were talking about just a, a minute ago, the whole idea of the spirit of adventure, the idea of going to... Uh, a white blank in the map and filling it in with color of some sort of uh, basically of dipping into the unknown uh, and a good friend of mine who's a professor of biology egging me on saying you know we really don't know ev- we don't know everything there's new stuff biota being discovered every day so is there a dinosaur long shot not taking any bets but but at the same time she said you never know. Definitely. So that was seemed to me to be uh, a good lead-in. And then, of course, the literature, there's Hovelman and uh, et al. Sanderson. Sanders was really my most favorite of mm-hmm. the authors uh, because he, too, had a very realistic approach to it mm-hmm. um, of what it was like as a well you know an animal trafficker in in essence but then hearing these strange things in the jungle and then realizing that yeah you hear strange things in the jungle all the time that don't actually match experience or expectations and then think back to when i was a kid working in a grocery store unpacking you know a box of bananas saying mm. where the hell do they come from you know mm. and a pineapple uh you know, as a child of the suburbs of New York City, yeah, sure. Plug me in, get me into a, an H Ryder, Agard novel. I'd love to go there.
2: Wow. Well, I mean, I've I've been um, although I've never been on a large expedition like that myself. I've been imbued with that spirit. Also, a city boy my entire life, and I I, I can see why it would excite people. And and I think that's why I first got a hold of your book. I thought this, um, I read the back, well, okay, this really seems like a, an in-depth uh view, you know, of, of well, what to expect on a, an expedition. I think what people would really benefit from listening to this is finding out how you would prepare for such an expedition, and then after that, when you arrive in the location, if the contrast between your expectations and what you experienced uh whilst trying to, enact this you know this this um expedition were were met or, or did you find something completely different altogether once you got there well first we have
1: to remember you have to turn back time a little this all happened for me in the mid 80s mm-hmm. uh, and this was a time when one uh i had a little dough, it started a company and cashed out um and was deciding that, okay, time to leave the city, time to and get back to what we were talking about before, indulge in the spirit of mm-hmm. adventure. And previously, I don't know if you know this, that uh, I used to be a sailor. And I st- mm-hmm. sailed in the Observer single-handed transatlantic race, which is all about the unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made four and a half passages the fraction being a time when I capsized smack dab in the middle of the ocean and was adrift for five days Wow um, so with that kind of background and a willingness to try stuff um, I took off for the Congo, Brazzaville um, after speaking to you know very few friends about this at all uh, and literally, Went to a sporting goods store in New York City, bought myself a couple of pairs of sneakers that I thought would work good in mud. Uh, Went to a tropical disease doctor who Mm. specialized in tropical, of course, he was a tropical disease expert, but knew the Congo from previous experience Mm -hmm. uh, working for charities, uh, who briefed me on the drugs I had to take and, you know, on and on. And at the same time, I hired a former, uh, before leaving, I hired a former special forces uh, officer to teach me about jungle survival. Mm. Because I was determined to do this by myself. So we had gone to a park in New York City uh, (laughs) where sticks turned into snakes. Mm. He would say, you know, he would quiz me black with a yellow stripe, Mm. moving slowly. Or is it Uh, what do you do? Where do you go? You're lost. What do you do? Where do you go? How do you get out of a difficult situation? Basic stuff that, you know, again, I'm back to a suburban kid with Mm. really no experience in the jungle and uh, spent two weeks with this guy, six hours a day, and then three hours after each tutoring session in a bar uh, getting lectured. So it was like hiring a professor. Uh, to teach me the basics of survival, uh, as well as to teach me how to understand the jungle, Mm. which would be the oral tradition that he tried to get across to me later on while drinking in a pub. Um, With that, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a a knapsack and uh, a camera. And should have bought a better camera, but I didn't. I went and landed in the Congo. I didn't know anybody. I didn't go with anybody. Uh, And I expected, okay, you go, you get a permit, uh, you leave, you pay for probably entrance, and you figure it out from there. Wow. No, 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 no.
2: (laughs) I'm uh, yeah. I'm starting to understand, Rory, that you're a lot braver than I than I realized at the beginning. Um, braver or
1: stupider, I don't know. Ignorance I think is, they're is very really things, yeah. Uh, and sure, guilty. I really didn't know what the hell I was doing, uh, wow. and that aided me is that certain naivete aided me. Mm. But at the same time, having had this sailing experience and being able to deal with the unknown and okay. try to figure yeah. out stuff. Uh, be it the wind, a storm coming, and everything else that's involved in the elements—the mm. stuff that's really important—wind, uh, water, and uh, the sky. So I figured that I could do this as uh, translate a lot of what I learned at sea
0: yeah.
1: in the jungle. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> They're very different, uh, and and yet again, I have to learn that myself uh, as I go and on the run in the hoof. Okay. So I get to Brazzaville, and no, you can't get a permit just by walking in. First off, I don't speak French very well. I can Mm. read it, but I can't speak it. And when I do, I only confuse people and speak louder, which gets me nowhere. Uh, Luckily, the government assigned an agent uh, who became basically my employee and friend to watch me. Am I a government? You know, you're one person coming in. Who are you really? You're this wacky American looking Mm -hmm. for a dinosaur in the middle of the country? Are you an oil prospector Uh looking to um, do geolocation exams of the middle of the jungle? Uh We have oil and we're going to, we covet our oil. We don't want you to even, you know, be sniffing Uh around this area or, you know, or what? So th- there was a long process of convincing them that, yeah, yeah I'm I'm just this weird American over here, intent <laughs> on intent looking for a dinosaur all by myself. A dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. It's not really, you know. If I see one, that's great. But what I really want to do is just to verify the idea. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, I was never after the exact diameter of a dinosaur's footprint. What really, really lightened my brain was this whole idea that somebody could believe in this Mm. that the locals could invest their spirit in this animal Mm. that that kind of animism exists and how exciting that might be to participate in that i didn't know and well here was a good shot at trying to do that
2: yeah i I I think that's sorry go ahead go no go ahead no i jumped in i'm sorry well yeah i think that that actually is, is a really good point is that there is, there seems to be a local belief about the animal. And I, I just wonder, what did you find with the general knowledge of the, the Michele and Bembe and the, the different parts of, um, of the Congo that you visited? And, and was there a general, um, awareness that it could lead to jobs or uh, treks into the jungle or tourism? Uh, and did that complicate? finding genuine witnesses or, or guides to help you?
1: I never found a genuine witness uh-huh. to okay. Michele Membe. No, it was all about money. It uh-huh. was from the local viewpoint was I was an American. I had a wallet. Mm. Uh, I'm coming into their turf. And yeah, you want to see the the beast? Okay, okay, we'll take you on a tour. Okay. Uh, no, it was business for them. I never met anyone who was spiritually involved with mm-hmm. the beast, except at the very end. And whether that was a show or not, mm-hmm. you know, as if you know you've paid the price of admission and now they give you a certain amount of satisfaction, I'll never know. Okay. But what made the whole trip extraordinary, or what the kids say, awesome, is the ability to go through the jungle to collect different. Uh, biota, plants, and and to examine this up front, to live inside the canopy, um, and to be able to color in what you know was a white blank on a map, and still remain so that the satellites can't pierce the canopy. Mm. So walking in this area, or fifty yards off of a normal path, you may be the first person in years or ever, God knows who knows, uh, through this area, what kind of animals live there um Mokele membe was in many ways for certainly for the villagers in boa um that was a ticket toward a hunting trip mm. and and a demand of shotgun shells everybody had shotguns nobody had the ammunition so of course you bring the ammunition in okay. with you and you bring a lot of booze with you be, for just the paddle ride to boa from a uh-huh. um Every chief gets a large s and a gift, uh, and that gift better be good. Uh, so yeah, that's easy. you spend your money on shotgun shells and and
2: wine and a hard liquor. So essentially, there's there's each village or each <clears throat> head of each village demands a rider for um for for the 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 privilege of entering their territory, and and the villagers, I suppose, become guides or at least uh, um, lookouts for you in the jungle as, as you're going ahead, telling you about the possible dangers and whether the dinosaur can be found. Um, and in your book, there's a, I mean, there's a big section at the beginning where essentially, you know, you're just trying to get out of Brazzaville and I was very interested, you know, from a, uh, I suppose, from a social point of view, if that current, uh, yeah, all-pervading current of low level, corruption and for administration that you um that kept you starting beginning your expedition is that an inbuilt feature do you think of Congolese culture or, or do you think you're just singled out because you're a westerner, as you, as you mentioned before. Would it have been easier if you were a local from Brazzaville with somebody who was able to just head off into the jungle?
1: If you were a local from Brazzaville and headed off to the jungle, you know, it was good luck to you. You would check in with the local police prefect and you could do what you wanted okay. uh, as a westerner uh, I needed permits and in you should be aware I never paid a dime so in the sense of corruption uh-huh. I okay. never a, a penny never came out of me I paid fees yeah and certainly consider yourself the director of national forests for the government of Brazzaville
0: okay
1: ultimately you're the guy who will get the phone call if from the American embassy, if anything happens to me. Oh, okay. And okay. oh, what a drag! I don't want this guy. You know, the last thing I need is this wacky American to
2: exactly. yeah.
1: going in, and I don't even know who he is, mm. really. Um, and now it's become my responsibility, my department's responsibility, and oh, damn! I, you know, the last thing I need is to have some counselor agent on my rear because Mr. Nugent is missing or sick or, God <laughs> help us, dies. You know, I, I don't want to meet him. I don't want to know anything about him. That's the reality of it all. Okay. And okay. you, as the outsider, really better recognize that. Um, I'd been a journalist a little bit in the, before this. Uh, I became a journalist, you know, as a real gig afterwards. and the first thing any outsider really needs to do is to understand the situation you're putting other people Mm -hmm. in Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when you get there. You're becoming, you're a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you to solve the problem, to be able to assure the government uh, up the chain of command in the government that you know, you can get by. You're going to come out of this alive, you're going to spend some money, and you're going to have something nice to say so you're not going to mm-hmm. be this raving bitch you know swearing why can't i get this it being mm-hmm. the nasty white uh, outsider or american mm-hmm. nobody wants to be that person or to deal with that person and obviously you understand that the agent assigned to you at a low level uh, has to make reports mm-hmm. and he's and if you know he thinks you're an asshole that's how it's going to go up the chain of command. Okay. Okay. And it's as simple as that yeah. and as personable and understandable as that. And so if you were to go into the situation, you really have to recognize what you're doing to other people mm-hmm. and how your perception is. And in this case, as much as I thought, okay, I can go through the process. I immediately understood. Whoa, whole new game. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I have to understand how it's played here. Not from my view, but from their view. And I'm a problem. So I have to solve their problem for them, for me. Um, And that means making friends. That means proving yourself through whatever it takes by reaching out to government officials, uh, by hanging out in a hotel bar that you never really wanna hang out in, Um, and buying a drink for a guy you never met before and you probably will never meet again
0: Mm.
1: who undoubtedly is going to say something to someone else. Um, So it's a matter of being extra polite Mm. and generous and you've got to remember the whole time that everybody's looking at you as an outsider who wants something and you're going to have to be willing to pay for it. I only have limited funds. When it came time to actually leave BOA and to assemble a hunting party. Uh, The extraction of money was, I just threw up my hands and said, look, take whatever I have, all of it, just enough to allow me to get back to Brazzaville. That's all I ask. And it's yours. And everything else I got and I brought here, it's yours.
2: That solved everything. Okay, okay. Um, why Why wouldn't people, especially in, I suppose, uh, a region, a country that's economically deprived, why wouldn't they look for advantage in such a situation? You know, a big expedition, it could be, um, it could set up somebody's year, I suppose, from that perspective. It's payday! And, yeah, Absolutely. Payday.
1: Why not? Why You're in this large Japanese expedition coming mm-hmm. in with a helicopter? Whoa. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fellas. Yeah. Uh, I used to have a vet that used to charge his customers by the car they drove in on, um,
0: <laughs>
1: and I found that to be very reasonable. And I also, you know, understand the position of the locals in Boa. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no industry per se.
0: Yeah.
1: Mokele Membe is as close as they have to a money maker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not so much a moneymaker as it is a, a provider for the food for mm. the community. So, I mean, my guides, the three guides, they were on a hunting trip. what's was so much about it. They were on a hunting trip and making sure I got to where mm. I was going, Lake Thiele, uh, And then coming back, mm. loaded down with Green Monkey right at the start of the age of AIDS. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, that's encouraging at least what um, you talk about actually um, all the things you have to do, putting yourself out there, proving yourself to the locals and the book actually starts with a very descriptive scene of you um, enduring a humiliating cleansing ritual performed by a witch doctor and viewed by curious onlookers in his village um, to, I suppose, get a blessing or some sort of local acceptance uh, of your of your trip. What, what were you thinking while you agreed to that and, and while it was happening?
1: Well, first off, the agent who was, you know, helping me to guide me through the city, this happened in Bronzeville, we weren't getting anywhere. And his take that at least I accepted was, you should be purified. If you want to go see the a God, the God, you should. You got to get rid of all the poisons in you, and let's go. But it was also a setup of how I would react uh, in while being totally in the hands and in the presence of the Congolese, okay. um, and he was grading me, and I understood mm-hmm. that, and I felt that if this is the you know, if this is the exam. I'll go with it. Sure, I'll try it. And plus, it was never explained to me exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> and and in thing, fact, huh? you know, I'm, it, precisely, uh, you know, I'm taken to a sort of an off center area of the city. Uh, you know, and w- lots of walled, tiny walled uh, houses or compounds actually where one family will live Brother, brother, mother, father. Um, and, but people can see over the wall or they hear the noise, they come in and the witch doctor is brought in, sees an American, ah, throws up his arms. Nobody told me it's American. His stink is too much. The poisons, oh my God. Denis Sassanoguso, who was the president of Brazil at that time, was a socialist. Okay. Toward okay. Russia. Uh, I'm an American... Uh, and oh, a and okay. I got it. And, and but this comes with the turf. I mean, you got to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and you know, a substance that comes out of a, an old, uh, like a Fanta bottle, a Coke bottle, is poured on my head. It's a mixture of honey <clears throat> and, of course, secret oceans. It could be straight honey for all I know. Uh, And the witch doctor does his thing, and meanwhile, the real purification comes when every insect within, oh God, maybe a kilometer or two, Mm. uh, gets the smell of the honey that's open and being poured over me, you know, turns me into this emerald eye mat of just different colored flying and crawling insects going on my skin. <laughs> Test, under, you know, and now a whole, you know, now maybe 40 to 50 people are gathered. Um, and you're totally naked. naked right?
2: You're naked. Absolutely
1: yeah. naked. Because <laughs> everybody wants to see the naked white guy. Uh, and he's totally humiliated, me. Yeah. But how does he react? And so now I had 40 witnesses to um, my exam. My demonstration wow. of all right, man, you got to roll with it. You know, no matter mm. how uncomfortable this is, no matter how t- totally screwy it is, um, deal with it and be smart about it. If you, if I start, you know, only halfway, if I, I flunk basically, if I don't mm. go through with this,
0: mm.
1: and I'm going to have people just laugh at me rather than people go, you know, hmm, okay. okay, I went through it. You know something they probably wouldn't have done themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just human nature. And just imagining yourself on the yeah. other side looking at this naked white guy thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: They, um, they hazed you. They hazed you Basically. essentially. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And 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 are we gonna break you with this little yeah. performance? And mm-hmm. the answer I hoped was no, 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 no. But, man, let's cut it short if we can. <laughs>
0: uh, and everybody oh,
1: seemed to man. understand that. But in any event, it worked to my benefit. It mm. opened a lot of doors.
2: Okay. Uh, but I think earning the respect, sometimes unconventionally so, of the people with whom you've come to, to spend time and as you mentioned, essentially, ask for something personal and private. As you said, it's, it's revered in some... Elements as a, the god dinosaur, a godlike creature, at least a, a spirit of the forest, a venerated spirit. And you, or I, if I was there, as the unprofane, as the profane is asking for permission to visit the god. And, um, why not, you know, put that person through, through a bit of trial, uh, by fire or by honey and insects and, and see how they do. I, I, I completely understand it. Yeah, I really do.
1: Good, because yeah. I mean, that was my take as well. It, and there wasn't much choice involved. I'm no, be exactly. Let's yeah, yeah. be honest. You. There. Yeah. But there was the choice to freak out. Yeah. To just, you know, slam everybody. What the fuck? What, what are mm. you doing to me? Or, you know, just what you're talking about. Deal with it.
2: Well, uh, well done. Uh, I think that um, <laughs> it has a real Indiana Jones kind of feel to it, you know. Covered in honey and bugs, naked in the forest, being laughed at by locals—it's, um, it's, it's, it's an ultimate prank. And uh, talking about this, this uh, reverence for Makeli and Bembe as some kind of god or, or a forest spirit—did you encounter that? Did you encounter this deep reverence? Maybe perhaps when you got to Lake Telly and, and met some of the people there, which I'd like to hear more about. Did you encounter this reverence for the animal from a spiritual point of view or was it all more or less about well the animal is dangerous it's rare we don't go near it well, what did you what did you see from the locals
1: from the get-go in Brazzaville one understands that the locals that animism is an important part of the culture and society that you're walking along or you're driving along uh, the road and there's a just a hard left and then you go back right because they're not going to cut the tree there's Ah. a tree spirit in that and if the witch doctor doesn't come to ask the spirit to leave or if he can't get the spirit to Mm. leave that tree stays in place nobody nobody wants to mess with the spirit Mm -hmm. and it's magnificent in various forms Uh, So it's very common throughout the Congo to see people who will visit the witch doctor after they've taken Holy Communion at some Mm -hmm. Catholic mass, thanks to their, you know, the French colonial influence, uh, that both of these things can coexist. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing and at the same time ennobling to me part of the culture of the Congo is that they can accept this idea of the living spirit in pretty much everything they see. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not so much like our culture, at least in America, of, you know, (laughs) the myth of the dollar bill. Uh, Mm -hmm. This was much more about nature and it was much more nature-based. And to an outsider like myself, that was incredibly enlivening uh, and enjoyable. And it explained a whole lot of Mm -hmm. how a beast or a mythical animal of any quality uh, like mokelelli Membe, can assume this position in the pantheon of of the spirit world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this leftover thing that their parents and grandparents were talking about, uh, a reification of the lore. far mm-hmm. out. Wow. so that that was everywhere. Uh, in Boa, while people are taking your dollar bill, at the same time, there's a reverence for the forest. Mm-hmm. and Mokele Membe happens to be part of that pantheon whether or not it exists is the same as the spirit we don't know but mm-hmm. you know we're willing to believe that it does the spirit of that tree or the spirit that's behind that monkey uh, nobody shouted when I'm killing a monkey or dinner you know shouted this is great everybody's very thankful and sorry for the monkey I gotta oh. live but sorry
2: you you um, you you
1: upset that yes absolutely oh. and it was an interesting part of the culture to be mm. able to participate in and i doubt i would have seen that if there was other if i had my a companion mm. with me and we would have been segregated from the whole okay okay <clears throat> as an individual nobody was really you know I couldn't hang out with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I had to hang out with them or be by my, myself as a, you know, an observer from a couple of feet away. Mm-hmm. So, so do you- there was a, a, an integration that was allowed only because of the solo mm-hmm. aspect. Um, that would never have happened if there was more than one.
2: That That's quite amazing and quite unexpectedly beneficial to, to be able to see that. It also seems to show, um, you know, a, an element of compassion in that they didn't say, well, you're not like us sit over there. They subconsciously or otherwise recognized that you were alone and ingratiated you into the group.
1: Pretty much. you Just think of yourself if you're sitting in, a, in an outdoor cafe hmm. and uh, two people who were lost, tourists come up to you hmm. and ask you for directions. <coughs> Excuse me. I doubt you'll leave your seat, though you'll give them directions. Mm-hmm. One lonely guy who comes mm-hmm. up, oh, my, you know, I'm lost. Can you help me get mm-hmm. to the subway, da, 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 wherever I have to go on the underground? Uh, you may get out of your seat and actually point that direction. Mm-hmm. Because you can easily see yourself as that one lone individual who really needs some help. <laughs> okay. Two people can bounce off one another. An yeah. individual. Oh boy. This guy's lost. Uh, or needs help or whatever it is. And you become much it's much easier to integrate yourself in, in everything around you. That's all.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. that 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 um well, I suppose on top of that. The, the, them having a companion, you've already identified that they have help and, uh, <laughs> and you're not needed to, 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 um, to compliment that. Going back to the, the identity of McLean Bembe, is there, from, from your time there, from your studies, is there any part of you that believes that it could indeed be a living creature, possibly a dinosaur based upon its description? Or do you think a dinosaur interpretation has been latched onto by, uh, cryptozoologists and young earth creationists and other groups to find evidence that I suppose um, proves their world view for the creationists that you know, evolution is perhaps not quite on par or for cryptozoologists that we do indeed have animals large animals that are, are awaiting discovery
1: That's a question that's thrown to me a lot mm-hmm. um, often by creationists yeah. I, I, mean, I, I just I mean I, I don't know. All I can say is read Darwin. Um in evolutionary theory. Is there a chance? Yeah. Is it as slim as can be? More so. Mm. Uh and again I repeat myself when I'm saying I was after the idea of a dinosaur, uh-huh. not its diameter. The pictures, and people ask about the picture, you know, the lousy sh- picture you took. Certainly, before even entering the forest, one had to confront the reality of taking a picture of a dinosaur. If you see the dinosaur, it's now, I mean, ethically, you got some problems to to resolve. Because if you do come up with a very good picture, rather than in the fuzzy tradition of cryptozoology of Loch Ness, Sasquatch, and everything else of this whole idea, rather than, oh, my God, there it is. (laughs) You now have to understand, you know, what happens afterwards. The locals will lose control. They'll become the maids and the servants of the resort that's built there after Mm. the um, plutocrats in the capital city turn it into a national park that they, of course, own, and then Mm. will uh set up any you know agencies that will feed them dough paid for by outside scientists that want to come in and are going to study um but the locals locals get dirt and the poor dinosaur if it is there with that color is you know becomes this you know sh- object of intense shutter clicking and you know of uh just A world gone nutty. Mm. Uh, So if you want to come up with that great picture, that's up to you. I was, from the get-go, determined to come up with a fuzzy illustration of what it was about. That's all I was trying to promote. I certainly didn't want to see this area turned into an exclusive uh, resort for very wealthy tourists Mm. to come in, uh, a la Jurassic Park. I mean, screw that. And the locals get nothing. Actually, Mm -hmm. they'll lose the land. They will lose their history. So the tribes will be displaced
2: for the national park? Absolutely. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. What does that do? Except screw things up. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't want to be part of that.
2: Do you think then that, um, is there an awareness of that that prospect among the local tribes around Lake Telly and and other places where the animal has allegedly been sighted? Could that influence them to perhaps hide evidence that they would that they would find if 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 um if such I don't think their possible? view
1: is that I don't think their view is that long okay um and then then that they'd be actually whoever saw it would gladly and mm-hmm. as they too, you know want to show you a you know a footprint of Mokele member. Mm. It's been there for three years. Nothing lasts three years in the jungle. (laughs) It's just, you know, things called...
2: The everlasting footprint has puzzled me, if I'm honest, (laughs) for some time. I mean, this is, you know... (laughs) It's wet. It's very uh, wet.
1: Gobsmacked, the idea that, uh, you know, people would actually go and talk about seeing the... uh, You know, the imprint of a ball-peen hammer. You know, things do not last in the jungle. I mean, Mm. it's part of the beauty of the jungle. And certainly part of my quest, which was to understand the jungle, its cycle, Uh, not the human end of it,
0: but Mm.
1: what lives there, what, uh, what grows there, and how you can grow with it. Basically, how to integrate yourself into this environment. And that was with the humans in Brazzaville and later with the flora and fauna in the jungle. And so I was much more um, covetous of the garbage bags of different flowers and mm. of, of fauna and, and flora and fauna that I picked up of beetles that didn't match any of the books I had of identification books that I thought, ah, You know, the idea of discovering some new little creature was great. Mm. And here's a place to do it. And I gave all of that to the university in Brazzaville. But that was what I was most proud of was, you know, two garbage bags of stuff that I collected from the jungle. And to be able to give that and have the recipient of this in the biology department go, this is great. Thank you. Um, that's
2: all I heard too. So I don't know. Oh, no oh, well <laughs> I mean, but that's still amazing. And I suppose you know Bakelli and Bembe, Bigfoot, Nessie, all of these things, they're the rock stars of cryptozoology, aren't they? And so often for people who are interested in finding new species, as yet undiscovered species, um, most of that happens on quite a diminutive scale. You say beetles, frogs, lizards, amphibians, etc. And then occasionally, like the the like the new Species of whale, I think they found back in back California two or three years ago. I kind of remember what that's called something big comes along that was always there that you missed, but usually it's a small thing. And I wonder if there's, you know, it's a bit of a distraction in cryptozoology in the sense we're always looking for these flashy, um, shiny animals like Bigfoot and others and McLean Bemby instead of saying, Oh, wow, you know, there's a new species of owl or. As happened here in the UK uh three years, four years ago, we discovered there was a subspecies of grass snake that was being here. We just didn't know. And I, I wonder how we can get people excited about those kinds of discoveries. The two bags of beetles and flowers. I mean, um what are your thoughts on that? How, how can we... Well, now um, you're back
1: to... Now we're back to exactly what I was talking about in the beginning Mm -hmm. with my friend, who's the biology professor at Harvard, Mm -hmm. who said, "We don't know. We're discovering stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biota is huge, and we're just a small. We only understand a small part of it, Mm -hmm. you know." And and her take was, "Of course, you're going to find something new uh, because you're going to be looking where people haven't looked before, Mm -hmm. and even where." And her point was, even what you were talking about. Even when we look at something for a long time, yeah, you know, ah, mm. we didn't look at it the right way. Uh-huh. And there it is, and it's different, and this is why it's different. Uh, but the chances of discovering that, <clears throat> you know, situation like uh, the Locala region of mm-hmm. the world's mm-hmm. greatest swamp, which is this area of Lake Tilly, uh boy, you know. The odds go way up and uh, love to play the odds. And, and so, sure, I'm hoping that a beetle that I named after, I named after and offered up as a, uh, to the school, the college in Brazzaville as a suggestion, didn't match anything that I had in my identification books. Um, and I'm hoping that name sticks in the end. What was Sister the name? Marie? Sister Marie Bernadette, my fourth grade teacher and foe. Okay. Um uh, oh. in London, a Catholic school. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, very formative. I mean, to me, Marie. that's the great... Yeah. Pardon me? That sounds very formative. She, she's got a formative presence in your life. I, I can detect <laughs> that much. Um, but what
1: you're talking about on the whole idea of, you know, the big kahooey, uh, that mm. thing... Mm. Uh, Loch Ness, yeah, it's it's the kind of discovery we'd all love to make, yes. yeah. And yet, there's a, a pregnant pause and a mm. suffixing clause that comes of yeah. You know, but how much do we want to tell? I mean, mm. if it's actually real, because uh, mm-hmm. then you've destroyed them. I mean, poor Loch Ness. I mean, honest to God. Um but it's a great idea and it gets kids interested and everybody mm. else interested and it still has legs, even though the guys who came up with the photo of you know wonderful British tradition of oh, it's a hoax, come on, finally we did it. We pulled it off. That's great. I think yeah a little add a
2: little humor to this horrible, horrible dark world we live in. This is wonderful. Well, I think that, yeah, in, in one way, when I'm studying this, stuff, I think the mystery is important. And I was very intrigued what you said about securing, I suppose, the, the pristine nature of not only the, the region in which Ben Bay is supposed to 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 live, but also the freedom of the people there. And my first thought would be, well, there will be commerce and there will be jobs, but you so rightly said those that money won't go to the people who live there and people might even lose their homes you know the government there i suppose would have the power to just seal off the area make these national parks and which would be primarily um intended by uh tourism and uh scientists and people who look like us coming to, to you know to to have a poke about and see what we can find so just one last question before we go in your book as you say, there's there's a not very clear picture of a, a periscope-like object cut through the surface of Lake Telly uh, that you captured. What I'm more interested in, not is what the, sh- the photo shows, but what you think you saw with your naked eye that time, traveling through the lake. I don't expect you to say well, Clay and Bembe, but what claim
1: Bembe, be, but I saw of- a I saw a thing uh-huh. in, in the shape of a, like an elegant French curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving through the water was it a cardboard cutout propelled Mm -hmm. by one of the guides who wasn't with me and on a hunting uh, Mm -hmm. expedition I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's the way I took it and when uh, Raphael shouts to me and says you you cannot approach the god the god comes to you and stops me from jumping into the pirogue to row out to get a close shot of this thing. Lake Tilly Mm -hmm. is is not a pool. It's it's a large lake, Mm -hmm. several kilometers in diameter. Um, So uh, really, to get even a good blurry shot of this, I wanted to get closer. But they would have no part of it. Uh, Was it you know, an exercise in a program, they, you know, wanted to give me a certain amount of satisfaction. I don't know the answer to that. Or was it this huge beast? Perhaps. Slim chances, but I can't say for certain, nor would I want.
2: It's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? It really is. Rory, um, thank you so much for agreeing to speak to me. I've been a big fan of the book for a long time, and it, it's helped me. It's kept me on the straight road during my research as well, uh, just let everybody know how they could find your line, where they could buy the book, and how to get in touch if they um they have any questions.
1: Uh, sure, you can go to rorynugent.com. Uh, you can buy the book through Amazon. Uh, it's this new edition of the book. Um, you can also get used copies. Uh, there are plenty in England. Um. And you get my other books, too, which are great. One is about the the world's uh, rarest duck, Search for the Pink-Headed Duck, which took me down the Brahmaputra River and through the Himalayas uh, in searching for another cryptozoological mystery. You know, are these missing ducks or are they someplace where we just don't know where to look? You know, we've looked in the wrong places or we've been looking the whole damn time and haven't seen them. And confuse them for a whole Same thing, and in many ways, from a writer's viewpoint, they're wonderful MacGuffins. <coughs> Excuse me. They focus attention, uh, but don't determine the action. And <laughs> certainly, and for Macallie Membé, you know, here's this wonderful background to it all, this mystery, um, and it's in the middle of the. You know, Congo, and it has it aches of references to the past, mm. uh, and it's a very modern mystery. Wow! No well conclusion.
2: It's as I say, it's been a bucket list stop to talk to you about it. I, I'm gonna, I'll be rereading the book very soon. Maybe I'll get the updated version actually, uh, because it really is. It's the the most <laughs> brutally honest and descriptive. Um, account of a journey into an unknown territory that I've ever read and it, it, me, it encourages me every day. I think if should I get out there to the Congo at any point, I'll come well armed with everything that I need to know. Rory Nugent, thank you very much.
0: All right, good luck ahead to you and all your listeners.